Hello, and welcome to episode 43 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. One of the most fundamental responsibilities we have as managers is hiring. After all, it's the people on our team who are ultimately going to help us achieve success and deliver on our goals, and it's our responsibility along the way to help them succeed. Therefore, it's critical that we get the right people on our team to begin with. Now, we often inherit a team, but at some point, you'll likely have to go through that arduous process of hiring a new team member. So today's episode is about how to conduct competency-based learning from experience interviews so you can make the best possible choices when bringing on new colleagues. Now let's get to it. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. Interviewing is another one of those things, like meetings, that managers are just supposed to know how to do. We're expected to either know innately because we are leaders, or maybe have learned from those around us, or maybe have learned because we ourselves have been interviewed many times. Maybe our company has a hiring process and we are told to follow it, but even in those situations, it rarely includes developing the skills for interviewing effectively. I get a lot of questions about interviewing and how to hire the right people. And I say right people because there are many great people who are not right for your role. So it's not just about hiring great people. You also want to hire the right people, the ones who are really going to thrive and enhance the team. When I first started hiring people, I really did not know what I was doing. And I feel like this is what a lot of managers experience because we're not taught how to do this. And it's super awkward. You're listening to someone's answers and you're judging them and you're trying to gauge who they are and what they're going to bring to the team and whether you like them and all of these things that are just uncomfortable. And when I learned about competency-based interviewing, not just what it is, but how to do it, my interviewing skills got significantly better, and I had a lot more confidence when I did need to hire someone. Of course, hiring is more art than science, and so no interviewing process and no single interviewer is going to be perfect. But here's the process that I use, which I find to be extremely helpful. During a hiring process, I want to understand a person in three ways and make sure that there is fit. The first is capability. The second, competencies. And the third, culture. So let's look at what each of these are and how I assess them during the interview process. Capability is first, and it's often the most obvious. Does this person have the capability or the technical skills to do the job? Do they have the knowledge or expertise that's required? Now, you'll notice I didn't say experience, because in general, I'm not particularly concerned whether they have done this exact work before. So many skills these days are transferable and learnable. So what I try to gauge when scoping the role is what level of skill is required. For example, if I'm hiring a blog writer, I want to be sure they write well, of course. But do I need them to have written blog articles before? Not necessarily. We develop writing skills in many jobs. And in fact, the first person I hired to help me write my blog articles was a lawyer who wanted to do more writing. Now, this is different from a very specific skill that someone might need, like how to use a particular software or something else that is maybe more niche. In general, I don't use the interview to explore capability. Instead, I use a simulation. 
A simulation is an opportunity to complete a realistic assignment for the role. So for a blog writer, I'd ask to see a writing sample, but then I'd also give them a content outline with instructions and have them write an actual blog article. If I end up using this article, of course, I will pay them for their time, but many times it's just a sample or an example. For an audio editor, I would give them sample audio and have them edit it. Or for a marketing strategist, I'd have them create a mini plan for how to approach tackling a new market segment or utilizing a new marketing strategy. You can design a simulation for pretty much any type of role. And through the simulation, you get a pretty good idea about whether the person has the capability to perform these tasks. So I don't spend much time during the interview trying to get a read on capability. The second area is competency. Competencies are like the soft skills, which are much harder to learn or develop than hard skills. Things like curiosity, compassion, perseverance. These are competencies that could make or break someone in the role. When you're planning your job description, in addition to the knowledge and skills required, think about what competencies are needed. I've mostly used the Lominger deck, and I looked at a couple others, and Leadership Competency Library seems like a really great resource. I'll link to both of those in the show notes. But you can also find free lists online, and you don't need to use any particular framework. Just reflect on what soft skills will make someone successful. Do they need to be a strategic thinker or be able to deal with ambiguity? Do they need to be able to build relationships with all kinds of people or stay calm under pressure? This is the primary focus of the interview, to identify whether the person has the right competencies for this role. In general, I try to limit the competencies to 10 total and then focus on three to five per interview, assuming that there are multiple interviewers or multiple rounds. The basic premise I subscribe to is that how a person has behaved in the past is the best predictor of how they'll behave in the future. Now, that doesn't mean I don't think that people learn and grow, but I'm looking for examples of when they've displayed these behaviors in real life, because learning is different from acting on that learning. We learn, we read books, we gather theories and concepts, but that doesn't mean we actually change our behavior. So if the person has learned along the way, I want to know that they've implemented that learning, not just intellectually stored it away. For each competency that I explore with a candidate, I generate questions that touch on three dimensions. The first is experience. Has this person demonstrated this competency before? The second is conceptual. Does this person theoretically understand this competency? And third is learning. Has this person learned and subsequently applied that learning? So let's walk through using the example of curiosity. Part one, experience. I want to ask questions that help me understand if this person has demonstrated a sense of curiosity in the past. Usually these questions start with, tell me about a time when. And I don't want to be overly obvious about what I'm looking for in this first question because I don't want to lead the witness. So I want my question to be about a scenario in which curiosity would be a helpful competency. I might ask questions like, tell me about a time when you got an assignment you didn't fully understand. Or... Tell me about a time when you uncovered some important insight that had a critical impact on the project. It's hard for the candidate to fully know what you're looking for in these kinds of questions, and so they're more likely to just be honest. Along with the main question, I have a series of sub-questions that follow the model of situation, actions, strategy, results, learning. These sub-questions are pretty generic, so you can really use them for any competency. And the questions are, Give me a sense of the situation or context. What actions did you take? What did you do and why? What other approaches did you consider taking, if any? 
and why did you choose the one you did? What was the result or impact of your actions? Looking back now, do you think that was the right decision? What did you learn from this experience? I'll ask these and additional questions during the conversation to dig into the experience and try to better understand both their thinking and their behaviors. I'll also have a list of what I'm looking for and their answers, because the hardest part is making sure that I'm assessing their competency and not their storytelling ability. Some people are great at telling stories, or they have really incredible experiences to share, which just draw us in. And other people share very little, and you have to work hard at pulling it out of them. But neither of those really matter because what you're trying to do is understand their competencies. So for curiosity, I'd look for things like, did they recognize a need for more information? Did they ask lots of questions? Did they do additional research or otherwise attempt to gain more information? Did they question assumptions? Did they seek to understand the why and not just the how and the what? So that's the first dimension around experience. The second dimension I'm trying to understand is the conceptual. And for these questions, I'm trying to gauge whether the person has a framework or theory or approach to the competency which might guide their behavior. So staying with our example of curiosity, the questions might be, what does curiosity mean to you? What are signs or behaviors of someone who is curious? Is curiosity always good? Under what conditions is curiosity helpful and hurtful? With these questions, again, I have a list of what I'm looking for. Do they have a clear understanding of what curiosity is? Do they know the behaviors a curious person takes? Things like asking lots of questions, doing additional research, learning from others, being on a constant learning journey. Can they articulate when curiosity is overused, when it leads to things like wasting time or wasting effort or just slowing things down? And then we have the final dimension, which is learning. And here, I'm specifically asking for a time when they didn't display the competency or they overused it and what they learned and if they've later applied those learnings. In addition to the competency itself, these questions also help me assess whether the person will admit to making mistakes, whether they are self-reflective, and whether they try to improve. These questions might be, tell me about a time when you should have asked more questions, or tell me about a time when your curiosity led you down the wrong path. Again, I like to follow that same approach as before with the situation, actions, strategy, results, and learnings, but this time I add extra questions at the end. Tell me about a situation in which you've applied these learnings. I find competency interviewing generally takes about 15 to 20 minutes per competency. Preparing for this type of interview can take a while. Companies who adopt a competency approach to hiring will often have a competency bank with lists of competencies and questions to ask. Companies like Corn Ferry also produce tools to help you with competency interviewing. But if you're not going either of those routes, you can build your own bank of competencies and questions that you can reuse. So over time, it becomes less work to prepare for each interview. And that's what this week's guide is. I've compiled the competencies and questions that I use when interviewing to help get you started. The last element I'm assessing in an interview is culture. Will this person fit in the culture of our team and organization? The goal is never to hire people who are exactly all the same, who have a certain personality type or certain demeanors. Culture fit is about how the person will fit into the team and the overarching organization. Culture alignment looks for values or traits that are unique to our team or company. For example, someone who's comfortable working as part of a virtual team or who does well in an open floor plan or has a unique sense of humor. 
it's a tricky thing because it's not just whether you get along and can imagine working with a person, which culture is often mistaken for. I usually try to assess culture fit in three ways. During the simulation, with a few interview questions, and in the reference checks. In terms of the simulation, I try to make the environment similar to the work environment. That may mean having the person sit in our open office environment to complete their assignments and then have a one-on-one with me to see how they respond to feedback. Or it may mean having them lead a meeting and seeing how it is to interact with them in a more realistic setting, not in an interview. As for the interview portion, I'll ask questions about how that person works best. I'll also ask versions of these questions to their references. These questions might be, under what conditions are you most productive? What has worked well and what hasn't worked well with your previous managers? What gets you excited and energized at work? And what demotivates you or frustrates you at work? Describe your ideal relationships with your colleagues. There aren't necessarily right or wrong answers to these because they depend on your team or organizational context. And just because someone doesn't say exactly what you're looking for doesn't mean you shouldn't hire them. But if you know that you have a really meeting-heavy culture, and the person says that they really dislike meetings, that when you hire them, this will be a point of transition or frustration, which you'll have to help them work through. So to recap, the interview is the primary place to assess the person's competency fit within the role. You'll also get a sense of their culture fit and possibly some of their capability, but those can also be assessed through a simulation and reference checks. To help you become a better interviewer, check out the free mini guide for today's episode. It contains the template for competency interviewing that outlines the structure that I walked through earlier. As I mentioned, the full guide contains questions that I use when interviewing for various competencies. The mini guide is available at mamieks.com slash mini guides. And to get the full guide with those competency-based interviewing questions and look fors, join the Modern Manager community on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash modern manager. That's P-A-T. R-E-O-N dot com slash modern manager. And when you join for $20 per month, you'll get episode guides and guest bonuses to help you implement the learnings from the episodes. You'll also get access to all the previous guides and bonuses, and there are some really great things in there. If you join as a bandmate level, you'll also get to join our monthly group coaching calls, which are an intimate setting where we can tackle your specific challenges. These links are in the show notes and they're in your inbox along with the free mini guide if you subscribe to my newsletter. To join it, go to mamieks.com slash podcast. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit Meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team. I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.